Hey, uh, welcome. So glad you're here. My name is Alan, and uh, uh, so glad that you've chosen to worship with us here at uh, Mountain Park. I turned uh, 39 this week, actually, and, and I, was, I was okay with that uh, until this Thursday we gathered as a staff and uh, me and Marsh and Kit, our children's ministry pastor, somehow we stumbled into and so we did the whole thing. All right, I got something to say. We're doing all this. And, and then Dave Shrine, who is our uh, young adult pastor and helps with student ministries and such, he said, so was that song cool when you guys were growing up? Just took the wind out of the whole enjoyment of it, and suddenly I felt old. But anyway, uh, I, am, uh, I am thankful. Let me start off this morning by saying that I am thankful. I'm thankful to be at a church that would allow me to take a study break in July. And so I feel refreshed. I'm very excited about the fall, about continuing on with the whole shebang. For those of you who've been uh, with us, about continuing that into the fall and with some plans with 2011. Just so excited about you guys and about what uh, God is continuing to do here. I'm also thankful for having a uh, staff and a team of volunteers uh, around us who have done an outstanding job throughout July in terms of sharing what God is doing in their lives with us uh, through those messages. So uh, just really very, very much thankful. And I want to tell you what the plan is over the next few weeks. This morning, I am continuing, actually finishing this July series that we've been looking at called The Road Trip, Things to Learn in the Journey. And I'm going to wrap that series up this morning, and then next week, we are going to hear from our students who have been having a, an amazing summer with all the things they've been doing. We value students a great deal around here, and so next Sunday, we're going to hear from them, and Beth Wolf, our student ministry pastor, she's going to lead us through that experience, and so next Sunday will be a student ministry Sunday. Then the Sunday after that, which is August 15th, we will jump back into the whole shebang and look at a section entitled The Church, and uh, so that's where we are headed. This morning, I'm wrapping up Road Trip uh, by, with a message entitled, Live It Up. Live It Up. I went on a road trip this summer. It's sort of a mixture of a road trip and an air trip. Uh, family and I went to Edmonton, Canada, which is my hometown, to celebrate my dad's 75th birthday. And it was a three-hour flight into Calgary and then a three-hour drive from Calgary to Edmonton because I was too cheap to pay the extra money to fly into Edmonton. And so it was a three-hour flight and then a three-hour drive. And then we uh, had a great time uh, in Edmonton uh, and uh, endured the, the sweltering 70-degree weather uh, up there in Edmonton during their summers. Uh, actually, on the drive... From Calgary to Edmonton, uh, our family of five gathered in, in a rental vehicle, and we started listening to a CD that we got from Wendy's. It had four songs on it. It's like a karaoke, have fun with this. But it was the, it was the original recordings of some classic songs, and there was a particular song on this CD that our family connected with, and it was the Jackson 5 ABC. And we, I guess because it was, you know, we have a nine, seven, four-year-old because the chorus just kind of made sense to them. And so they could, they understood the ABCs. And so we are singing ABC easy as one, two, three. And you know how kids, they just can't get sick of a song. Do it again, do it again, do it again. And the parents are going, oh my goodness. And we're doing this thing over and over. So this became the, the chant, the mantra, the uh, celebration of our drive. We were singing ABC throughout this whole thing. Anyway, we go to Edmonton, have a great time. And then we drive back to Calgary and fly back. On the flight back, 
uh, the kids all have their little headphones and they're plugged into the, the little units on the side, you know, where they get to choose the volume and the channel selection. That's, that's control, that's power, that's really important. And uh, so we're about halfway in the flight. It's, a, you know, it's quiet, it's kind of later at night, and it's kind of a quieter flight. And, and, and my seven-year-old, Martin, he just explodes with excitement because on the radio, on channel seven, is ABC. <laughs> It's the Jackson 5. And so he's sitting there right next to me going, ABC, all easy is one, two, three. He is going down with it. And I'm sitting there. And, and, you know, a better father would have taken his headphones off and said, son, 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 you need to keep it down. But I just let him go. It was so fun. And I would just look around and see all the heads that would turn, some with disdain, some with, dis with delight, and, and just kind of let him sing it out full voice with his headphones on. The point that I want to jump into this morning is that sometimes we need to sing as if no one can hear us. Sometimes in our journey, as we go on our road trip of life, sometimes we need to live it up, enjoy, and soak in the opportunities and the glory and the beauty that God provides for us to stop and enjoy it and celebrate it and sing it out and live it up. That's what we're going to look at a little bit here this morning. Would you pray with me as we launch into this? Father, I pray um, that you would take the story that we're going to look at here this morning and that you would inspire us, that you would move us as we know that you love to do. God, I know that there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of hurt in this room. I know that life is hard, and it's not about, about ignoring the pain or pretending it's not there or being Pollyannish in any way. You're not, you're not interested in that. You're not interested in, in a fake celebration. But I also know that there is a time to celebrate. There's a time to live it up, even when life is hard. And so, God, I pray that you'd give us wisdom this morning to find out what you mean by that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to take a look at a story of a young girl who chose to live it up, and it's found in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to turn to that. We're going to look at a story in Genesis chapter, tw chapter 24. Genesis 24. Genesis, of course, is the first book in the Old Testament. It's one of the easiest books to find. Genesis and Revelation are kind of the two easiest books to find in the Bible, and Psalms, because you can just go right in the middle. Boom, there you are, Psalms. But uh, Genesis chapter 24 starts uh, early in the whole shebang, early in the whole story, and it has to do with a man who was the father of Israel. Anyone remember or know who the father of the nation of Israel is? Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. And uh, so here we jump in. We start off with Abraham, chapter 24, verse 1. Abraham was now old, and well advanced in years, way beyond 39. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you, just that phrase that I just read, we'll come back to that in just a minute. Don't let that trip you up. Stay with me here. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. Now Isaac is the one and only son that Abraham and Sarah had together. And Abraham was called to be the father of this new nation. That his descendants would be 
more numerous than the stars in the sky. So Abraham knew him how important it was for his lineage to be passed on in a significant way through his son Isaac. He was not in his hometown. He was in Canaan. God brought him to Canaan. And he said to his servant, I don't want Isaac to marry one of the Canaanites. I want Isaac to go to my hometown, Mesopotamia, and I want him to marry one of somebody from our own family, from our own clan. I want the lineage to be pure. And so that, that was what this whole thing was about. Now, the phrase that one might get tripped up on here is in verse 2. He says, put your hand under my thigh. This is a euphemism for the uh, reproductive organs, which is another euphemism for, well, let's just say turn and cough, uh, if that helps. Uh, this, is, this, is what, uh, this is what this scene would have been. And what this means is that even my unborn children will avenge any violation of this agreement, of this act. I mean, this is a serious thing that they've entered into. For us, it would be a very firm handshake or a, or a significant contract. I don't know about you, I prefer the way we do things. Uh, it's just a preference of mine here. So this is a big deal what they've entered into. And so here's the plan. The servant that Abraham has called, he takes 10 camels and heads off to Abraham's homeland, Mesopotamia. And here's the plan. Verse 12. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now this was no easy task that this servant was asking God to make clear through a young girl. This would have been no easy task for this young girl. He had ten camels, and a camel that was uh, taking a long trip like that in the desert, it was about 500 miles from uh, where Abraham was to his hometown, about 500 miles, 10 camels. It's said that a camel, a thirsty camel in the desert, could drink about 30 to 40 gallons of water. And he had 10 camels. So his expectation is that a young girl, a stranger, would provide three to 400 gallons of water for him and his camels. And here's what happens. Verse 15, before he had finished praying... Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. This is all important information because this is saying she is what Abraham was looking for. She was part of the family. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No one had ever lain with her in case they didn't know what that was. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. She ran back and forth, filling the trough to feed three to four hundred gallons of water 
to the camels. Now, what I find odd about the, the closure of that, that little section there is that this, that this servant is wondering at this point, he's watching this beautiful girl respond exactly to the prayer that he made. She is giving water to all his ten camels, and he's still wondering if this is the one that God was, would give to him. It's just kind of odd that he would be in that place. But she was, she was the one that God had provided here. Now, when opportunity knocks, when opportunities present themselves for us to live it up, to enjoy what God has put before us, to enjoy life, sometimes we have the tendency to stay in the familiar, in the safe, in the easy path, rather than doing the hard work like Rebecca modeled here for us. This week, I had an opportunity to go uh, off-roading with some guys from a hockey team. Two guys have what's called a UTV, a utility vehicle. It's like an ATV, four-wheel little unit with roll bars is what it is. It's kind of like a dune buggy thing. And, and so one guy had a two-seater, one guy had a four-seater, and they invited our, anybody from a hockey team to come and join them here on this Wednesday. And since it was my birthday week, I decided to take a day off and, and do the journey. It was an absolute blast. We were climbing up mountains over there by Lake Pleasant and having an absolute great time. We saw four large rattlesnakes uh, just right on the path there. The first one that we saw was really the first big rattlesnake that I've been that close to around here. And the guy who was driving the unit I was in, he got out and he started playing with the rattlesnake and kind of rolling rocks to it. And he was like three or four feet from it. I'm in the vehicle lifting my feet up. I'm th- I don't want anything to do with this big old rattlesnake. Ah, it's awesome. So anyway, we had a great time. And on one of our breaks, we were just, the three of us were talking about the fact that there were six available seats and that these two invited anybody from the hockey team. It didn't cost anything to just come and enjoy the, the journey. Now, it does cost a day of work. You have to get a day off work. I get that. I understand how hard that can be sometimes. But we were talking about the reasons some of them came, and we know other players on the team enough to know that some of their reasons not to come weren't financial or work-related. It was just a matter of being lazy. Now, just because you don't choose to accept an invitation, it doesn't mean that you're lazy. But we knew enough about these experiences to say, some of these guys just said, ah, it would be too much work. It would be too much work to get up that early in the morning and then to have to rearrange things in order to enjoy that experience. We had a blast. We had a great time that day. And I'm so thankful that I rearranged my schedule and that my wife was able to make this work out for us to be able to do this. Sometimes the phrase, I'm too busy, it's really just a cover-up for I'm too lazy to experience the fullness of what life has for us. When opportunity knocks, we at least need to get up off the couch and answer the door. At least. A friend of mine was telling my wife and I about a study made with children, and there were two uh, test sets. One group of children were told that they were smart, And another group of children were told that they are hard workers. And it was an overwhelming result to this experiment that those who were told they were smart started to believe that they were smart, and then they got lazy because they're already there. They're smart. Why do they need to work and learn and move forward and grow? They're already smart. And the group who were told that they're hard workers, they started to believe that they were hard workers, and they started to get things done and try harder and get work, do the things all So the point of this study was really 
was really amazing to my wife and I just that we tell our kids, oh, you're so smart, oh, you're so smart. The point of this study is don't tell them they're smart. Tell them they're hard workers. Wow. So, so I, I tell a story to each of my kids once a week, and sometimes it's a made-up story, sometimes it's a Bible story, sometimes it's a story when I was a kid, whatever. And so right after I learned that, I thought, that makes sense. I love that. So I, I laid down with my four-year-old daughter, and it was her turn to tell her story. And, and so she always wants to hear a story about a princess. That's kind of the thing. Okay, guys love to tell stories about princesses. And so, so I laid down, and I said, there was this prince who had to choose between five princesses to choose which one was going to be his wife. Don't evaluate my story. Just it is what it is, okay? <laughs> so he got to choose which of these five princesses. One of these princesses was a beautiful little girl named Lila. And we're nose to nose in bed, and she's, <laughs> I like this story, you know? So, so I said, well, what they did to find out which of the five princesses the prince was going to choose is they said, we're going to do a competition and find out which of the, of the princesses will win the competition. And the first element in the competition, I couldn't think of anything other than a foot race. I, I, I just, again, don't evaluate my story. So I said, it, the first was going to be a foot race between the five princesses. It's what all guys want in a woman, is, is someone who can run fast. So in the story, Lila, the night before the race, went out and helped everybody clear out the path and move away all the rocks and the shrubs and make sure that the race area was ready to go. And then it was time for the race day, and all five got there, and they raced, and guess who won the race? And Lila goes, Lila? And I said, no, it's princess number two, Abigail. She goes, oh. And then, and then I said, and then the second part of the competition was a chess game. Again, what all guys want out of, a, out of a woman is that she can play chess. And so, so once again, Lila went out and she made sure everything was set up and set up all the chess pieces and set up the table so people could see and the whole thing. And then they had the tournament with all five women doing the chess game. And guess who won the chess match? And her, her, her hand's like shaking. She's ready to explode. I mean, she's, Lila? And I said, no. It was princess number three, Courtney. Which sounds like a princess name, doesn't it? And so, so then she's going, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, then we do a third competition, and this was a painting. And so Lila again uh, went the night before and set everything up to make sure all the materials were ready for all the five princesses to do their painting. And then the next day, guess who won the painting competition? <laughs> Lila! And I said, no, it was number two again. It was Abigail. And I could see in her eyes she was saying, Daddy, not real crazy about the story. You know, I could see, I could see this, this thing going on there. And then... And then I said, when all was said and done and all the numbers were brought in, guess who won the competition? And she, she knows it's the end of the story, and she's just, and she goes, Lila? And I said, no. Huh? <laughs> Abigail. Abigail got the most points. She won the most. <laughs> okay. And then, and then I said, but the prince, he didn't just decide which one won the competition. He decided based on the whole experience. And guess which princess he chose to be his wife? And she's starting to bubble up again. <laughs> Lila? I said, yes, Lila. And I said, you know why he chose Lila? She said, because she's the hardest worker. And I said, yep. <laughs> and I think she went to bed really confused. But, <laughs> but, but I, just, I just love this idea of pouring into our kids that to, 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 to not be lazy, that when opportunity knocks, let's get up off the couch 
Let's get out, off away from the familiar and the safe and the easy and just answer the door and say, and say God, what do you have going on in this situation? Because I'm willing to, to water the camels. I'm willing to do the work in order to experience what you have for me. Let's jump back into the story. What happens is that the servant explains to this young Rebecca what he's there for. He's looking for a wife for Isaac. And he gives her some really expensive jewelry, some bracelets. And then she, um, verse 28, verse, chapter 24, verse 28. The girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now Rebekah had a brother named Laban. And he hurried out to the man at the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and had heard Rebekah tell what the man said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come, you who are blessed by the Lord. In other words, cha-ching. He said, why are you standing out there? I have prepared the house and a place for your camels. Laban sees the cash involved with what's going on here. And then, then the servant explains to the whole family, walks through the whole story that I prayed to God and I asked God that would reveal this and then this is what happened and explains the whole story. Jump to verse 50. Laban and Bethuel answered after the servant explains the whole story. This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or another. Here's Rebecca. Take her and go. Doesn't that sound like a brother? The one who's saying, I don't know who Isaac is. I don't have any questions. The deal sounds good to me. Take her. We're good. Where's the cash? You know, cha-ching kind of deal. So he's not the courageous one here. He's not living it up. He's kind of just soaking it up or sponging it up. The courageous one in this story is, of course, Rebecca. Verse 57. There. Uh, trying to figure out, trying to negotiate when she would go and how this is all going to work and whether or not she would go. Verse 57, then they said, let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? And then she says three very powerful words. I will go, she said. I will go. This young girl had plenty of reasons not to go. Plenty of reasons. She'd never met Isaac. She was going to be married to this man she'd never met. She didn't know if the whole thing was a scam. She was going to be taken 500 miles away from her family, from the only world she had ever known. And she was to go right now. Now. She had plenty of reasons not to go. Yet she said, I will go. She went. She married Isaac, and they had a son named Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. She became the mother of a nation, of God's people. She became the ancestor of the Messiah, of the one, Jesus Christ. If she had not said, I will go, we would never have heard of her again. And you would not be called Rebecca, or your daughter, or your family member would not be called Rebecca. We wouldn't know that name. If she had not said, I will go. So what would you do in that situation? Honestly, how would you handle the, the difficulty of, of the hard work that she was engaged with and then the uncertainty of what was presented before her? Sometimes when we live it up, when we follow God in that courageous way, it means we say, I will go without having all the answers, without knowing all the details, without having all the I's crossed and the T's dotted. 
whatever. Sometimes we move forward without having all those things laid out for us. All those, all those details taken care of for us. Think about the moments in your life um, that you remember, the moments from your past. They're not the days where you did the regular same things. The moments that you remember, if you think, if you're going to tell a story to your kids or whatever, they're the moments where something extraordinary happens, where you break a leg, bad or good, something extraordinary happens. You're spending time in the ER. You did the bungee jump. You had this imperfect vacation. Those are the moments that we remember. Those are the moments that we, that we connect with, that we cling to. If we're living life so safely that we don't have moments like that, we are going to miss out. We're not going to gather up these memories. We're going to have a bunch of days that are just forgotten if we don't take opportunities to live it up, to experience all that God has for us. Now, some of you here in this room, you don't need to hear this message. Some of you don't need to hear this. So you're more like, instead of ready, aim, fire people, you're more like, fire, aim, what? People. And, and so you don't need to hear, the, hear this message. You need to kind of come down to the, the reality of living life and experiencing things, kind of taking care of things. Some of you don't need to hear this. But some of you, I believe, do. I would guess most of us do need to hear an invitation, a challenge to live it up. To take the step forward, to, to make courageous, dangerous decisions sometimes in life in order to live the abundance that life has offered for us. This month, here in July, air conditioning went out. Bad month, bad city for air conditioning to go out. And so we called the air conditioning company, and they, they came over, and uh, something happened in that process where they made a mistake, and they cut the wrong pipe, and boom, the thing was going to take longer, and so we were not going to have heat that night, and they knew pretty early on in the day, so they said, uh, and they knew it was their fault, they were kind of eating crow a little bit, and they said, you can go ahead, go into a hotel, and uh, we'll take care of it. And they said, and I quote, go to a resort and enjoy yourselves. I feel like Laban, cha-ching, yeah, with, that, with that invitation there. So we, um, we went to a modest little place called the Hilton, and, uh, and uh, we, we went there, and they, it's beautiful. They've got one of those lazy river things that go around inside. They've got water slides, and it's this fabulous place, and all the kids gathered around there. First, right when we got there, we gathered around the, the bar that was right by the pool, and I did something that... I don't remember ever doing. I said to everybody in the family, I said, you get whatever you want. You see, smoothie, lemonade, whatever, and the kids are going, what have you done with our father? And Because I'm the dad who normally gets one drink and goes, click, 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 
There you go. You can enjoy that. Or we just get free water, whatever. That's me. That's, that's the way I roll. And so, so this was like their drink. They didn't even finish the drinks that we spent six bucks for. It was awesome. And so, so we walked away from the bar. We spent 30 bucks. And then we uh, bought uh, a nice dinner and then had, had dessert and the whole thing. We lived it up. At the end of the day, I said to my wife, I said, this was fun. This was great. This was freedom. This was liberating. What would it take for me to live like this sometimes on, on vacations and stuff, just to release and let it go like this and enjoy being together? What would it take for me to do that with my own money? What would it take? And then the next day, we, I gathered up the receipt. Everything totaled $286. So came back and got back to our house, and there was a check on the kitchen table with a note from the air conditioning company saying, this is our guess as to what it would have cost you if it cost any more than this, just let me know. Guess what that check was for? 300 bucks. I paid 200. I paid my own money, is what I'm saying. I paid my own, so in answering the question, what would it take for me to live like that? It would take me acting as if it wasn't my money. Which is the reality of the situation anyway, isn't it? If you enter into it spiritually, you go, it's not my money anyway. It's, I, I'm, I don't own any of this stuff. I'm managing it by the grace of God. So why don't I use it in ways that honor Him and, and, and not ways in wasting money, but ways that honor Him and enjoy the fullness of what life has for us? What does it mean for you to live it up? Maybe it means going on that trip, going to Rocky Point, going to Honduras, going to Africa because you've always wanted to go to Africa. Maybe it means running that marathon or riding your bike across the country or writing that book that you know God has put in your heart. Maybe it means that you would take the step, the courageous step of volunteering here at your church in some area or joining or leading a D group, doing life together with a group of other people. Maybe it means auditioning for the drama team and you haven't done drama since you were in college. I don't know what it might look like for you to live it up, to, to lean forward. I want to close with one very important question here. It's maybe a question that's bounced around in a number of your minds. How do we tell the difference between taking a foolish risk that wastes money or time and responding to a challenge, to a dangerous challenge from our loving Father? How do we tell the difference between those two things? Well, look at why Rebecca said yes. Look at why Rebecca said, I will go. Why did she say that? Why did she have the courage to say that? If the answer is, well, she just knew, or God told her. If that's the answer, that's a very great churchy answer. It's a safe churchy answer. Yep, got that one right. You get to go on to the next Sunday school class. That's not, that's not helpful for me. Is it because she saw the bracelets as well and said, well, at least I get some money out of that deal? I don't think so. I don't think so. In that day, she talked to this servant and heard that he talked to God and said, God, I'm looking for a wife for Isaac, and here's what I'm looking for. Would you help me find this? Would you provide this woman that I'm looking for? This man talked to God, and God responded and exactly the way he had asked. She watched somebody 
connect with God. I believe she said, I will go because of a desire to connect with God. That she talked to this man and said, you have interacted with the creator of the universe. What you just did, I want. I want a piece of that. I want my life to reflect that. I want to be around people who are doing that. I want that. I will go. Because I want to connect with God. Please do not hear from this story or from this message the permission to just go ahead and do whatever you want. And just, just go live it up and go ahead and marry that person just because it feels right in your heart. Or go ahead and do that thing because it will make a lot of money and, and, and just kind of live it up that way. Allow the filter to be what Rebecca's filter was. Is this going to help me to connect with the creator of the universe? What are opportunities presented before you in terms of connecting with God? Maybe there is a men's retreat or a women's retreat or a couple's retreat or a group of of guys who are getting together to do something or a group of women who are getting together to do something. You know there's going to be meaningful conversations. There's going to be honoring to God that are parts of those experiences. Or maybe it'll be uh, an invitation to read a book or join a D group. The experience I had with these two guys on our hockey team, I, I, I rode with one guy and then rode with the other guy. So it was just the two of us in each of these vehicles. And we talked about, I mean, we had hours just cruising around out in the wilderness. And we talked about life. We talked about work. We talked about death. We talked about God. We talked about the church. We talked about Christianity. We talked about its imperfections. We talked about its bad reputation. We talked about, what, uh, about how... Uh, the church could look. I mean, these guys, after hours and hours, I'm sure they said, we're not inviting the preacher next time. <laughs> but it was good. It was meaningful, meaningful conversation. And how many opportunities are set before you where you actually say to God, God, is this a place where you want me to pour into or a place where you want to pour into me so that you can respond courageously like Rebecca saying, that is what I want to be a part of. That is the kind of day, the kind of legacy I want to leave. I will go. I will do that. In about six weeks, as part of the whole shebang, we're going to enter into a section called the unwritten. It's the sixth of the seventh, uh, six of seven units here in this whole shebang journey. And the unwritten is our story. It's our part of the journey. And what we're going to do with that is invite all small groups to participate in a midweek experience that's connected to the unwritten journey. So we're going to have all, all small groups invited to do the unwritten journey together, and we're going to start up new D groups so that folks can jump in on that. This is an example of an opportunity for you, even as scary as it might be, to do life together with other folks in that way. For you to step forward and say, I will go. It could change your life. When opportunity knocks, May we not be lazy and stay on the couch. And may we be courageous enough to say, I want to connect with God. If this is going to connect me with God, I will go for it. I will try. You only get one life. You only get one set of days. Let's live it up. Will you pray with me? God, thanks for the invitation for us to live life abundantly, to not just, not just obediently, but abundantly, God. 
and in our love for you and in our trust of you, we want to respond to the opportunities you set before us. So God, I, I pray today, today that you would give some clarity as to what areas you want to invite us into. God, if, the, if there are things bouncing around in our heads right now, things that are, that are optional, God, I pray they'd go through the filter of, will this connect me with God? Is this the person that you want me to spend time with? Is this the opportunity you want me to take? Is this the, the work venture you want me to jump into? I will go if it will connect me with you, God. I will go. I will go. May we have the courage to say that. As we sing this song, God, I pray that you would bring to our minds ways that you want us to live life abundantly, to live it up. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.